It's Julie Van Warmer again, and this is episode eight of season one of Unshaken, a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. Last time on Unshaken, we listened to a talk given by Julie Morgan at our annual Regarding Him Women's Conference in the spring of 2018. She walked us through lessons of who God is in each and every book of the Bible. If you haven't listened to that one, you should stop right now and go back to that and listen first. But it is so amazing to see a thread of God's plan and how we can trust Him in each and every book of the Bible. Today, Julie will complete her talk by giving us some practical steps to trust God whether our circumstances are big or small. So the second foundational truth is this. God is good in all things, even when it doesn't feel like it. So two weeks ago, I stood at my sink and I was scrubbing and I was sobbing. I was pretty upset because my not very old dishwasher, this is a really pathetic story, but it's okay. My not very old dishwasher was leaking, was gonna be $550 to repair, and they couldn't get it out to replace it, to put a new one in. So they were gonna have to cut my ceramic tile floor out to pull the dishwasher out so I could get a new one. Wasn't very happy about that part. But the thing that actually made it harder is that I'd left this huge pile of dishes in my sink expecting the new dishwasher to be installed. So I'm scrubbing and then I'm extra mad because I had set aside that afternoon to work on my talk. So my daughter, because she's very gracious, said, hey mom, I think this should be an example in your talk about how you trust God when things don't go the way you want. And my son, bless his heart, was trying to encourage me. And so he said, Mommy, don't worry. I'll write your talk for you. He's five. So he sits down at the table, and he writes down a verse. He wrote 1 John 4.19 in his cute little handwriting. We love because he first loved us. So when I say God is good... I mean, nothing speaks more of God's love to us than that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, the world was created good and perfect, but death, tiresome work, and suffering entered the world when the first man and woman were deceived by Satan and broke the rule that God had given them. Since Adam and Eve's sin, all of us have continued to sin. That sin causes a separation between us and God. God is holy and perfect, and we are not. We are tainted with sin. In this world, there is death, there is suffering, our work is tiresome, and Satan continues to deceive. But also, since Adam and Eve's sin... God planned a way to make everything perfect and right again. He promised that a descendant of Eve would crush Satan once for all, and that descendant is Jesus. God sent his son Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life, yet willingly went to the cross. He took our sins upon himself. With his death, our sins are paid for. When he rose again, we are given new life as well. 
While we are still in this world, Jesus' work continues. Someday, all will be restored to the goodness it was created in. His love towards us is constant. God pursues us. He sent his son for us. Even when we can't understand our current circumstances, we can know his love for us. Now I know. I know that some of you in this room are dealing with really big and really difficult things. Ones that from our perspective seem so far from God's goodness. I want to tread carefully when I say all things are good because I know they don't always feel good. I've undergone a mastectomy while I was still pregnant. I went through a year of chemotherapy and radiation with a newborn. I've dealt with really severe anger at an unwanted pregnancy. I watched a beloved brother-in-law die from a rare brain infection which was misdiagnosed. None of those were easy. None of them felt good. But thankfully, God has given me eyes to see his goodness in every one of those. I know God works all things for good, even when it doesn't feel like it, and I don't understand it. When we suffer, God tells us there's a point to it. Our suffering is not in vain. I found it helpful to know some of the ways our suffering can be good. And this is also on the back of your handout, so just listen. So it puts God's glory on display, John 9.3. It helps make us faithful, John 15.2. It shapes us into Christ-likeness, Romans 8.29. It equips us to comfort others, 2 Corinthians 1.3. It causes us to depend on him more fully, 2 Corinthians 1.8-9. It makes the life of Jesus evident in us, 2 Corinthians 4.10-11. I don't want to sniffle at you. Hold on. Okay, I think I'm good. It reveals hidden sin in us and keeps us from sin, 2 Corinthians 12.7. It helps us experience that Christ is is enough. 2 Corinthians 12.9. It brings us fellowship with Christ. Philippians 3.10. It disciplines us for holiness. Hebrews 12.10-11. It makes us spiritually mature. James 1.2-4. And it helps us live out genuine faith. 1 Peter 1.6-7. And just for your reference, if you're going through anything difficult, pray these things for yourself. That you would experience that Jesus is enough. God is good. He sent his son out of love for us, and he uses all things to grow and mature us. God is good. God is in control. That is the foundation for trusting God. Now, if you're anything like me, you need some practical things, some things that you can do in your own life. So Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 is on your handout on the front, and there's some bullet points below. There's about five of them. And I'm going to go through Hebrews, and I'm going to give you practical ways to build your trust in God. And I encourage you to just jot down an idea or two from the the points. 
So Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. So point number one, we have a great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 12 comes after Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 is a chapter that recounts the stories of many faithful men and women. It's a great book, chapter of the Bible to read. But all of these people had a couple things in common. Number one, they all had problems, right? And we need to remember that. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome this world. John Flavel, who's a Puritan writer, put it pretty well. The presumption of continued tranquility or continued peace is one of the greatest aggravations of misery. Expect future suffering. The other thing all of these men and women of Hebrews 11 had in common is that they were active in their faith. If you read Hebrews 11, you will be encouraged with how they trusted God and found God faithful. So I encourage you to read your Bible and know faith stories. But I'd also encourage you to read other bibliographies and autobiographies of Christian men and women who have done amazing things out of faith for God. It's available at Lifeway called Ordinary Women and Their Extraordinary God by Noel Piper. Read it. Be encouraged with ordinary women who did great things for God out of faith. The other thing I would say is know your own faith story. I know Cheryl mentioned journals in her talk. This one is mine. It's lovely. Um, Write down prayers and answers to God. Write down scripture that encourages you. Write down truths about God. Write down your own story of God being faithful to you. Then when you have one of those dishwasher days, when everything seems to be going the wrong way, pull it out and remember that God is faithful. Have your own cloud of witnesses to bolster your faith in God. Okay, the second point. Lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. So now what's an encumbrance versus sin? An encumbrance is a weight upon your soul that takes your focus off of God. It's not sin, but it's not helpful either. In today's age, this is usually one of two things in the lives of women. One is easy entertainment. Translate that to Netflix or Amazon binges. And number two is social media. 
So if you find yourself spending lots of time on Facebook, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Twitter, Pinterest, etc., 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 and maybe by chance you start looking around your home and saying, oh, that doesn't look so good. Oh, I wish I had the money to fix it. Oh, I wonder what else I could do. And you spend a lot of time pondering that or how you measure up to other people or how people look on Facebook, and that takes your eyes off Jesus, stop. Kill your affections for this world. The amount of time you spend focused on this world will increase your love for this world, and the strength of your love for the things of this world will be directly proportionate to your fears. We're also called to lay aside every sin. If your difficult circumstances are because of sin on your part, confess that before God. Repent. Stop doing it. Turn the other way out of obedience and love for God. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to do the right thing. Those who know they are forgiven of sin, that are loved by God, and look forward to a future in heaven, can have joy in their current circumstances and not be troubled by guilt. As women, I think one of the areas we struggle most with is our minds. And the way you speak to yourself about your circumstances often turns into the way you remember them and view them. So you need to speak truth to yourself. Philippians 4.8, and I'm going to paraphrase it, says, Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, excellent, admirable, and praiseworthy, think about such things. By the way, that was on the front of my journal. So here's a couple of examples from my own life of truths that I tell myself. When things aren't going according to plan, which is almost daily in my house, Tell yourself that interruptions are not really interruptions. They are God's sovereign deliveries to you to keep you dependent upon him. When your to-do list is overwhelming you, remember that this side of heaven, you will not get everything done. Jesus himself left cities with people unhealed. Only God gets his to-do list every day done. And it is arrogant and absurd for us to think that we are God. And when you have something difficult and life-threatening in your life, cling to the promises of God. God causes all things to work together for good. God first loved me. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards me. I would also encourage you to be purposeful, to look for things to be thankful daily. Write them down. The more you look for them, the more you will see them. All right, moving on. Number three, run with endurance the race that is set before us. We are to be active in our faith and not live based on our feelings. Trusting God is not a matter of feeling it, but a matter of being dependent upon God and doing it. Commit yourself to God, to running the race that God has put before you. 1 Peter 4.19 says, Therefore, let those also who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. 
So the day that I went to my doctor's appointments after I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I met with the surgeon and he said, you're going to have to have a full mastectomy while you're pregnant. You cannot wait. And then I went and saw the oncologist and he said, you're going to have to start chemotherapy. The baby's going to have to be delivered early and you'll start when he's seven days old. Then I went to the radiologist and he said, you're going to have to have a full course of radiation. At the end of that day, I came home into my bedroom, closed the door, and laid on my bed and sobbed and sobbed to the point where my pillow was soaked. And my husband sat next to me, and I know he was praying in his head, and he laid his hand upon me, but he couldn't really do anything for me. But at one point in time, he got up and he said, Julie, we will trust God in this. He committed our lives to the Lord. He entrusted us to Jesus and to a faithful creator. And his declaration that day gave me the strength to do the same. Entrust your souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right, even when it's difficult. So if you're struggling in knowing which way to run your life, you know, we're called to run our race with endurance. Sometimes we just don't know what that looks like. Well, Elizabeth Elliot has some words for you. She would say, just do the next thing, right? So if you have a whole bunch of things to do, do one, then do the next, then do the next, Pray that God would give you wisdom and discernment in ordering your tasks, but be active and do the next thing. Point number four, fix your eyes on Jesus. We need to spend time with Jesus, right? John Piper has one of my favorite quotes. I think it's because I've been lacking in sleep for a very long time. But he says, the human heart does not replenish with sleep. The body does but not the heart. The heart is replenished by word and by prayer. So if we have any new mamas in here, be encouraged. Your heart can be renewed even if your body is tired. So don't be anxious, but pray. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Spend time reading and studying the Bible. It is the word of God, full of wisdom and instruction for you. Here's another book I'm going to recommend. It's called Gospel Meditations for the Hurting. It's really small. It's fairly cheap. It's a 30-day devotional that's really deep. If you've never studied God's word before, I'd recommend getting it. Um, it has a scripture verse across the top and then a devotion. Make sure you read the scriptures, and I recommend it. And the lovely lady who wins a prize, you get one too, so that you can find me later. Okay, so another way to fix your eyes on Jesus is to praise the Lord. I do this often through song. I sing a lot. I think it's because music floats in my head more. Um, praise defeats Satan. Satan wants you to focus on you, your needs, your problems, your circumstances. But when we look to God, even through tears, Satan is defeated and God is victorious. Your circumstances won't change, but you will. 
When I was a new nurse, I worked at U of M on the floor that responded to codes in the hospital. So that means if someone's heart stopped or they stopped breathing, I would go to the code and I would help the nurses and the doctors know what to do. Like I was the one that was supposed to know how to help them know what to do. And it never failed. I worked on 7C, which is one end of the hospital, and it was always the other end of the hospital, like clear down and seven floors away. It, it was always really far away. And I did this for like a year and a half. But I remember when I was still training, an older nurse said to me, when the beeper goes off, don't run. And I looked at her like, their heart isn't beating. They're not breathing. They need me to get there. And she gave me a very wise piece of advice, which was, no one's going to be helped if you're all a flutter and you can't even speak. So in most of our days, it's really not a life and death situation. I know sometimes it is, but most of our circumstances are not life and death. We need to take that moment and fix our eyes on Jesus. Take a deep breath. Pray, ask for wisdom, and thank God for something, and move on through your day. Point number five. Consider Jesus, who endured such hostility by sinners against himself. Know that Jesus suffered more than anyone in this room ever will. And he endured that amount of hostility for us. He endured the cross. He, he died and rose again so that we might have a victorious life. He suffered immensely because he loved us and gave himself up for us. And now he sits in heaven and that future glory awaits us as well. So I do have a problem, but I also have a God who is bigger than my problem. He's a God who's in control and he is good. Let us hold firm to that foundation and find him faithful in the little and the big things. I heard this talk in person and I have to say it was extremely impactful to me. I have a problem, but I also have a God who is bigger than that problem. Amen. How about you? One time I sat under a Bible study teacher who, after we studied the Bible, would always say, okay, so what are you going to do about it? So I guess I ask you the same question. What will you do about this? About what you've learned? What will you do this week? What about today? I pray God has worked in your heart as you have listened. Remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.